Hello, and welcome to the Vancouver Comic Arts Festival podcast. VanCAF is dedicated to celebrating comics creators and comics in all of its forms. Our festival takes place on the stolen, ancestral, and traditional territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and tsleil nations. We are grateful to live and create here. We hope you enjoy today's episode, and if you'd like to learn more, head to vancaf.com. You're listening to the Vancouver Comic Art Festival podcast. Um, I'm your host for this week, uh, Robin McConnell. I'm the executive director of the Vancouver Comic Arts Association, which hosts the festival. Uh, This week, uh, we're doing a full week of specific programming uh, with French cartoonists. And so I am uh, very excited to be chatting with uh, Paquito Bolino, uh, who is the co-founder of uh, La Denier Cree, uh one of the most foremost um avant-garde comics related publishers um running right now uh not all the work is comics uh but comics are kind of in the seed of the work that comes out from the dinner Cree, if that's an okay way of putting it um and uh, as well, uh, there's a new book out from, oh my God, what's the name of the publisher, the Macedonian publisher? CN. Giant Sized Evil, a giant book of um, horrific images uh, uh, playing in the motif of kind of classic comic and movie posters. Um, so it's like you're not a comic publisher per se, but comics inform the work. That yeah, you do. it's really, it's a, not really comics. It's maybe it's a, the essence of comics. The covers sometimes are better that you have it. What you have inside the comics, so it's like a game with a comic aesthetic. But this is not really comics. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, like I said, it's like one of those seeds um, that, that come along. Um, but I think also comics itself, um, there's something where the work that comes out from the Daniel Cree, I think, influences comics in terms of uh, using the kind of transgressive uh, imagery and uh, the silt screening styles have a big impact on a lot of different creators. So there's a bit of feeding in both ways. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so a um, bunch of stuff to talk about. I guess first I want to start with um, is uh, talking a bit about the history of the Daniel Cree uh, and specifically uh, you had a book that came out recently, the Mondo uh, Dinier Cree uh, catalog for an exhibition <laughs> for the 25th anniversary. Um, and so I just kind of, I think to, to start with is, uh, tell me a little bit about kind of your interest in kind of where you started with, with the okay. publishing. Um, and I know, um, right now especially there's a little bit of a canadian connection to touch on yes so um, i was in the art school in angoulême with a comics festival i was really involved in comic scene at the beginning and after uh, i moved to paris 
and in Paris, so it was 27 years ago or maybe more, I moved to Paris and in Paris there were this bookshop called En Regard Moderne, where you can find all the graphic publication, underground comics from all around the world. This is where I saw the old books of Gary Panther and, and the, the Row also. And, and I start um, to meet some uh, French uh, publisher, most of them doing stuff in Xerox at this time. And me, I found in the squat in the suburb of Paris, a C-screen studio that nobody used. So I start to print uh, a kind of uh, compilation called Le Dernier Cri. And I bring first all the people who were living at this time in Paris, like Pierre Lapolis and uh, people like that. And we start to do Le Dernier Cri in this way. And after two years, I moved to Marseille because I could, could, uh, I could find uh, at this time a bigger space to set up my studio. And I moved to Marseille with Caroline Suri and we keep going on Le Dernier Cri in Marseille. And it starts like that. <laughs> now you um, traveled a bit as well. Um, I understand like you visited folks like uh, Henriette Valium. Yeah, so uh, at this time I went to Montreal. Before starting the Dernier Cri, I went to Montreal and I, and I saw Valium. And at this time he had his own studio to print big C-screen poster. He also print himself all his book in C-screen. So when I went back to Paris, this is when I, I started Dernier Cri in this squad because I say I need the studio like Valium. So I can see that Valium is a big influence for me and, and he's the one who give me the idea and the energy to start Le Dernier Cri. But now Valium is dead, so I have to do more job. <laughs> um, the looking back in the the early work, um, were you involved in punk rock scenes as well? Was that like a big influence in terms of the imagery? Yeah. Also doing cover, also doing music, jazz, punk, jazz, post punk, and doing the posters and the cover for the band and all this kind of thing. So I think. Uh, what we do is more connect to um, noise and underground music scene than especially with comic scene. It's a mix of all these things. It's, um, mm -hmm. it's graphic, noisy graphic art, we can say. Yeah. And I wasn't even thinking of, of noise music in connection, but I'm interested to think about that. I, I personally do listen to to a fair amount of noise. I've I've seen Mersbau, uh, you know, uh, and, and there's something I like about the idea, uh, and I think you do this with like uh, the Opital Brute uh, mm -hmm. series, where um, it's like an onslaught, mm -hmm. like an artistic, like you're just being attacked and just unrelenting. And I wonder if that was something that was kind of going into into the creation of the work and kind of uh, what you were feeding into is just kind of pushing, pushing artistically. Yeah, yeah because uh, first I need it for me and after I think people need it too. So we have to make a bigger book, more and more picture, no white space, no white cube, just uh, extreme graphic terror. I'm interested in the idea of, of no white space um and how um how does that kind of when you say no white space what does that mean in terms of like 
kind of pushing against like gallery aesthetics. Yeah, and... for example, you know, I made a school, I know all this aesthetic, and since this time, I'm always confronted to this kind of way of showing artwork. So I think it's boring. So I prefer to show artwork like uh, noise concerts. You have to have stuff everywhere on the wall, on your, on your eyes, in your ears. It had to be a kind of a psychedelic experience. I don't know, not just a, a kind of cathedral of art or everything had to be set up in the right way. I don't think there is right way. This is why I like people from our boot scene because they, they, they set up their own world in their house and they don't care of, of all this code and aesthetic way of showing work in gallery. One thing that really strikes me about um, the work that you publish is it's very international. Like yeah. you talk about early days are working with the folks in the squats that you knew, but really it's looking through, you know, one of the more recent opt Optical Brute books and it's just everywhere in the world. Yeah, because there is some graphic artists with this aesthetic all around the world in different countries and you don't even need to speak the same language, but we speak the same language with drawing. So there is always connection. So the, the dernier cri, uh, sometimes, normally we move uh, maybe four times a year, we make an exhibition in a foreign country, and every time I meet new artists, and every time I have new connection. It's like that. Do you make connection? Exhibition in a set was called International C-Screen kind of international serigraphic, we mean international C-screen connection or world. That so, the the re, the 25th anniversary show was focused on it being that international reflection. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was something striking to me, um, especially with the European work that I was seeing in a lot of stuff where it was kind of pushing against um, trying to find the right way of phrasing it like um an unease in like post cold war europe and just kind of like i don't know if i'm 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 saying it very well and i'm trying to think of how i mean um cuz a lot of the european work uh, like the aesthetic or not the aesthetic but like the imagery and the transgressive imagery uh and kind of um the iconography that folks were doing um and, and i'm wondering like how uh, providing these platforms this kind of punk rock platform for this work and like how you talk about the pushback against the art aesthetic but the pushback against the political aesthetic too um sorry i i don't know if i made sense there um tell me about the the the, the politics within the space that you provide for cartoonists in, in Daniel Cree or artists? No, I think uh, in Daniel Cree, uh, all the artists have the, free, the freedom to es express what they want. You know, there is uh, no censorship. I, I start to have problem with uh, censorship uh, in France because of stupid art. But, uh, you know, uh, I think we are in the same period like uh, after the, before the Second World War, you have all this kind of moral uh, censorship will come back little by little. So for me, uh, the Garnet Cree is a space where the artists can do their art without censorship. 
because this is art. So sometimes it's a reaction of uh, what's happened for some of the artists. Uh, sometimes I think uh, anyway when you when you try to make exit something without a border, it became politics because now more and more in the world there is border everywhere and everything is more and more under control. So the political way is just doing art is a political action now. Yeah. yeah. There's something I think about. I saw a really good documentary on Leibach uh, many years ago and um, where they really talked about the artistic end of Leibach and just the, the influence of Malevich uh, on Leibach and the idea of um, you, you create these uh, striking militaristic images, not because that's the belief that the work represents, but that's a reflection of the world that the work is in. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, for the Danikri, I think it's more closer of uh, German expressionist style and uh, yes, yeah, more closer of art brut and expressionist style and uh, underground communities from America. This is the influence of all these things. Is after, um, I'm sorry, I don't speak very good English. I can explain everything in a good way in English, but um, it's like that. But I think the most important thing is for me, it's a line, the so drawing, the line. So sometimes you don't need uh, a lot of color, you just have, a, you need a drawing in black and white. And sometimes it's complicated drawings, sometimes it's simple drawings, but uh, most of the time, the people I try to publish in Dernicri, they have their own uh, graphic style. So for me, this is uh, the beginning of the art, it's a line. After uh, the painting and all the other stuff, it's just uh, the column. Because of the unique printing you do with the silt screening, um, do you ever do direct work with artists in kind of understanding how the color registration works um, to develop the work for for the so, silk screening? Yeah, for the silk screen, uh, most of the time people don't know nothing about silk screen. So sometimes I made the color separation. Sometimes some artists can be here and we can work together. This is the thing that I prefer, but. Uh, it's difficult because most of the artists are in foreign countries, so I don't have money to bring everybody at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes some artists attack from Germany, for example, you know very well how to use the C screen. So some people send me the stuff already ready to print. It's different. It's just uh, it's like that. I re remember talking to, I uh, interviewed Jordan Crane a number of years ago where we talked about his uh, technique with silt screening and mm -hmm. how um, he had like a, an epiphany uh, with a sunset on on how the colors mixed and stuff. And um, it was interesting, like one of the things I'm fascinated, fascinated with silt screen is the unexpected that can come from it. Yeah, it's, and I'm wondering. Cool. It's closer than painting, so you can take some picture in black and white and turn it inside a crazy color. The mixing of the color, the, the layout of the color on the top of each other is like a, a noise tracks with the noise, the music, everything mixed together and make a new 
new texture and a new sound, no? and the visual is the same. It's a the combination of uh, layers who make uh, the art, but it's like yeah. painting in a way. So it's real color. It's not like offset that you can, so you can really play with the color. This is good for that. For me, when I made a book, it's like an original. So if I make one uh, uh, 100 copies, so the original is, is the 100 copies. And after you can sell each copy very cheap, but at the end, the original is all the print. Yeah. I think that's the thing that shocks me about the work that you do is a book within itself is how many layers in a piece. And it's so many amazing pieces in a book. And as you say, it's quite cheap compared to what you're getting. You know, know. it's these beautiful silt screens and sometimes a dozen layers in them. Yeah, it's just it's like that. You know, I made all this big print to make exhibition, to make traveling exhibition with different artists from all around the world. In a way, it's because it's more simple to to print. Uh, 50 posters full of color, and after you have 50 exhibitions, who can, who can turn around, and you don't have to carry all the original artwork of the people. It's a way to to show this art. This is what I used this uh, medium because it was the most uh, simple and quick one and effective one to do it. I I don't use rizzo machine. Uh, I don't also use uh, etching because it's too long to print uh, etching and too expensive. With this screen, you can manage to add something good uh, and you can keep uh, a, a decent price, you know, because uh, it's important for me to have decent price. Because art scene and the price of art is completely no things. This is nonsense, total nonsense. So I, I try to produce books and produce a print that people can offer. Art should be accessible. Yes. As like looking at some of the books are so the printing you do is so complex, um, like very tight detail, uh, still able to maintain a uh, really fluid, clear um, separations. And so how, how often do you allow yourself to because we're talking about just whatever colors come through, do, do you still have that within that process or is it so fine tuned? that you're really trying to reflect a particular image? Okay, I can say that uh, when I put a color on the work of uh, another artist, I try to imagine uh, in this way, you know? Yeah. So uh, at the end, the screen make an effect that everything, uh, you can feel that everything comes from the same, same studio, but uh, it's the... Um, it's, um, Magie of this screen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the the Hospital uh, Brute series um, did that. There's ten books of it. Um, yeah. Was that kind of the original? Because you mentioned doing things in the squats. Was that? No, no. In the beginning, it was Le Dernier Cri. It was uh, just a six screen picture on big size. And I made 10 copies of this Yarnikri uh, big size. And after I wanted to make, uh, because there were no magazines at this time, so I wanted to make a magazine. So Peter Brut at the beginning, there were some interviews inside. 
And, okay. and so uh, to, so I made the interview of artists, I made the transition and I, and I write, but after it was too much to work. So okay. after I decided just to do a compilation of drawing of uh, all these people from all around the world. But now there is a lot of people in Europe who do this kind of thing. So now I stopped to make uh, this big uh, compilation of Peter Brut. I, I made 10 and I stopped. And now I, I made a special uh, collective books in the screen for special uh, exhibition. For example, years ago, we made an exhibition in Waraka, in the Yago, in, in, in the Museum of Graphic Art. So I asked to uh, some of the artists of Dernier Cri to make a kind of tribute to Day of the Dead. So it, it fits with the collective spirit of Dernier Cri. And we made this. Last year, we made a book called Narok, DC Narok. It's about the Thai L garden. So the same, I asked two different artists to make this, but it's just uh, at the end, it's 200 copies in C screen. That's it. It's not uh, 1,000 like Capital Woods. Um, it's, um, I think, I think one of the astounding things for me when going through the, the Mondo Denyakri is the sheer amount of books that you've done. Yeah. And, um, I guess it's like, tell me a bit about your, uh, creative work process in terms of like how much work you do in a week in printing. How much will I, I work? <laughs> <laughs> I work also the Saturday and the Sunday. I work every day. So sometimes small books, it can be quick. You can do it in one week or two weeks. Sometimes it took two months to make like the last book of Ishiba. It's a big C-screen book. So it, it took a lot of time because uh, since I, I did that since years, I keep folding by hand and it's like that. This is a punk culture. You have to do it yourself, do it yourself and do it to the end. um now working with such a wide range of international folks and starting uh before the internet really like i'm wondering when you were starting out how you found these other works Uh, you talk about it it was uh it was more fun because at this time people uh, found your books and because there were no internet and no connection when somebody found your book in japan after the Japanese guy sent his book or sent Xerox of, uh, by letter. So it was a good time because you can have a lot of books who arrive by post and you can make a change with trade with people. Now with the uh, internet, you can get in touch more easily with a lot of artists, but uh, it's not the same um, feeling. So this is why I, I always try to do collective exhibition and, uh, and I always try to bring artists in my studio because um, internet is not enough for me. The Matt Brinkman book you did, the mm-hmm. the smaller one, uh, yeah. was, was he there for the printing of that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came here because he was in tour with a band in Europe. And I met him some years ago uh, in Boston, uh, in Providence. And after I said to him, if you come in Europe, come to my studio and we will do something. And it's the only time he came to my studio, but he stayed for one week. And in one week, we did the book and a big poster. And that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That book is really fascinating uh, because you do all these layers of black or dark. And so he was pretty hands-on in that process. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were together. He bring all the Xerox. He have a lot of Xerox, and we make uh, transparent. And after we put everything and print and print on the top of each other. I don't know. It was like uh, music. <laughs> <laughs> Just layers of sound on each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like that. Um, I think that was like one of the first Daniel Cree books I'd come across. Um, <laughs> and, and that's what kind of pulled me in because I knew Brinkman and uh, I think it, it was at TCAF and uh, Valerie Story was there, uh, yeah. the stack of books. And then I got pulled in and looked at more and more. And I was really fascinated how in some ways you have an aesthetic, but in some ways you you it ranges far and wide where you'll have uh something like brinkman's book where it's just like it's all in and it's playing and then you'll do like a say like a david sandland book yeah but david sandlin you know screen david sandlin is a teacher of his screen so he can do his own color separation i just print what he sent me to print with brinkman he was there and it was better yeah. And I have no news from Brickman anyway. You know where is it now? Where is he? Uh, last I heard, he was in Colorado. Because I would like to bring him again in France to print a bigger book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I know um, the only person I know who, I mean, Chippendale's probably in touch with them and those guys. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know Hollow Earth. Is that the publisher, the Italian guy? Mm -hmm. Michel Dietrich, he's been doing Brinkman stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know the publisher. I know the book, but I never met the publisher. But he published uh, Brickman, He published also Ishiba that I published, but uh, I never met him. Ah. Um, I, w I would love to see a big Brickman book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think like that's the and that's what I'm saying. Where it's like I feel like with with your work, there's there's no limits. Yeah, no limit. So um, limit, so paper and the ink. <laughs> <laughs> but even like, because I have some big books I got off of you, and they're giant. They're like tabloid yeah. size. Like, yeah. I guess it would be twenty-two by seventeen, which yeah. isn't easy printing on its own. Yeah, there is big book, but after the big books, it's difficult to sell. You know. <laughs> <laughs> People only have so many bookshelves. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, and there's another one. Since I'm I'm uh, from Vancouver, I should mention Owen Plummer's book that you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for example, I never met him, but I saw his picture, and he sent me the picture and made the book, um, and I was happy. I think he was happy also, but I never met him. He he was. Uh, I visited him once, and he showed me his stack of uh, Daniel Cree books, and we we had a good chat about it. And it's uh, it's quite a beautiful book, um, yeah. but it's it's so different from all the other stuff because it's so simple and full of joy. Yeah, but I I, I published some other artists like uh, I don't know some guy from Spain, Olaf. Olaf Ladus, his art is not uh, transgressive or extreme. Uh, it's the same, it's more naive, it's more... But uh, I, what I like, like I told you, is people who have their lines, their own drawings type. So sometimes yeah. it's simple, sometimes it can be really complicated, like me, line everywhere, but uh, it's not a question. It's a, 
I, I like when, when the people, they have their own line. So it can be a simple line. <laughs> now tell me about uh, Giant Size Evil, your yeah, so this, this, this is uh, uh, last year, during the confinement. I, I start before to do fake cover like this. And after uh, I draw all this stuff uh, and uh, I didn't want to publish it because I'm direct to publish. If I draw, I like, I like to find somebody who wants to publish my work because it's something more exciting. So the year before I was in Macedonia and I met this guy, Bruno, who also did book, Magdana books and Ariad Balion books. And he said to me, I would like to do a book with you. So I said, okay, uh, maybe we can do a book. And, and after, because I was stuck in my house, I couldn't come to print in my studio. The place was closed. So I, oh, wow. I, made, I made a lot of drawing and all this drawing is what I did uh, last year. And after he published it uh, in Macedonia, that's it. But and the it was like a therapy, you know, I can draw every day and I and I make some collage from all the comics that I like and, and mix everything together and after do it. And so it was a kind of a relaxation. I like the idea of, of looking at these images, these fake covers and imagining the comic that's in there. That's it. Yes. If I found a lot of publisher, maybe I can know what is inside. One time I made a comics book. You saw the Spermanga in l'association. You know it? I haven't seen it, unfortunately. So I made this uh, maybe 12 years ago, and it was the first time I made a comic. So I made really like a, a, I take all the American comics and I uh, made collage and after I drew it uh, and it was really like a comics with little uh, square and not big page, you know? Yeah. And it was my first uh, comics. It was in English, very bad English, like you can notice I speak a very bad English. So, <laughs> but your, it was fun. <laughs> your English is a million times better than my French would be. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, and I, I appreciate uh, your taking the time. Um, I know it. I know it's not easy. Um, referencing American comics, um, when did you kind of get into that type of work? Was it something you grew up at with looking, or is it something you found later? Because in the seventies, uh, in France, you can find in the sh in the shop, even in small village, you can find the translation of uh, creepy, airy tale of the creep, and all this stuff. Were translated in French. You can also you can also could also found uh, uh, Italian uh, uh, sex comics, you know, like LB France and all this stuff. So it was possible when I was a teenager. I can I grew up with all these these things, you know. Oh wow! And and after I went to this art school, and after I discovered Oro and the underground Zap and all the American underground scene from the seventies and sixties. And after it was the punk, the post-punk, so yeah, all these things together, you know. Was there a particular point where you feel like you found the artistic direction you wanted to go into? Um, yeah. Was there like yeah. an epiphany? Oh, it's when I saw 
in their schools when I saw the work of uh, German expressionists like George Gross, Kirchner, all these kind of things. And at the same time, well, in France, they were Metal Yolan, and in Metal Yolan, in France, they published some graphic art of uh, Pascal Dury or Caro, some French artists of this time. And also, when I, when I found a row of, of with Burns and Gary Panther and Marbella, it was like a, a dream for me. Yeah. <laughs> so so it, this is where I start to do all these kind of things. And after I, I was working in the Swiss French studio in Paris, with an association called LAPA. They, have, they were the first one who published uh, Charles Burns in C-Screen, and they also published uh, Marbella in C-Screen, and they also do uh, a book called Corpsmith. It was a Savage Pencil book that they print bigger in C-Screen. And, oh, wow. and this is where I start to do C-Screen in this, in this direction. And after I was thrown out from the studio because the boss was a stupid asshole, and, and after, maybe two years after, I started the Anecree and I start again to do C-Screen and since this time I never stopped. <laughs> uh, Mark Bayer, um, the work you've done with him is amazing. Um, and, and I'm interested about that is I think there's something about the how his work works so neat with silt screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's difficult to work with Marbella because Marbella is like a ghost. You can work with him when he's when he wrote you a message, but uh, when you ask something, uh, he disappears every time. So, so I, I never met him, but since 25 years, sometimes he wrote me, he sent me some drawing. So when he sent me, I say, you want a poster? I can make a poster. So sometimes it works, sometimes it don't work. But I, I love his art, so I'm always ready to print uh, what he wants. <laughs> Um, when he sends you drawings and you do it in color, is that the kind of colors he had in mind or is it what you're envisioning for his work? Well, for example, maybe I, I did the six or seven screen posters. Yeah. For them, I choose the color. So the first one, I, I did the color, I print the poster, I sent to him and after he didn't talk to me for two years because he didn't like, but he didn't say that he didn't like. And oh, after no. After he sent me again picture and I made the color and he liked and and after uh, the last one it was for the band <coughs> and this time he sent me the color that he want and I and I did specially what he want but uh, everything is possible but I I will prefer to have it uh, with me when we print <laughs> <laughs> I, I would, anyway I would like to meet him but uh, for the moment it didn't happen. I, I have heard he is uh, very mysterious. <laughs> I, I tried to interview him many times. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> his, his publisher once uh, offered him, like, we'll see. We'll see if this happens. <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> um, Charles Burns. Uh, I think one of the greatest artists uh, of, the, of America. Marbella. Yeah. I, I agree, and that's where I think um, it's the work you've done with him has been really interesting because it really adds something it, like doing the silkscreen work. Mm -hmm. I like the depth that it gives it. Um, yeah, big fan. Love it. Um, Charles Burns is another kind of bigger name American mm -hmm. artist, and you've done some interesting work. 
Yeah. I've only got the the free shit and the uh, knit knit. Yeah, but every time it was him who contacted me to do a book. Yeah. And every time I say to him, okay, I can do this book, but me, I would like to do a, a C-screen book with you. But uh, it never happened for the moment. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about the one book, the uh, foreign language book, though. Like, I'm interested in kind of uh, how that came about. The the tin tit, the knit knit uh, tie-in book. I can't remember the name. 23 Skizzy. Yeah, but it, he, he wanted to do a book like uh, the Chinese uh, version of Knit Knit Tenta, you know. So uh, at this time, there were the Cornelius who put out his uh, these comics in French, and he made his uh, own pirate version of his own comics, and he wanted me to publish the pirate version of the comics who, who go out in the same time of the French publisher, Cornelius, you know. <coughs> <laughs> it was a, a joke for Charles Burns. It was, <laughs> but it was a big success for the Danny Cree because every time I print a book with him, I sold everything. And most of the time I print books, I still have some in my studio. You know, it's not so easy to sell these kind of books. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks should definitely go check out the website. We'll post it with the, uh, with the interview. Um, every time I order stuff, it's always... Uh, exciting because I just don't know what's going to be in the package. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of just a random, just kind of what's this going to be? Um, yeah, no, I love, I love the work that that you're producing, and it, it's exciting to know that there's no slowing down. I tried. <laughs> it. I know COVID. You had to stop because of the um, the shutdown, and you worked on the giant size evil. Did you did it change how coming back to do your work or what you wanted to work on? No, no, it changed nothing. I I always have maybe five books who are waiting to be printed, you know. So I don't have the time to to think. I just have the time to act. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it that that's so true with your with the work that you publish, especially. uh, There's like a strong sense of immediacy in a lot of the stuff where it's it's now um like going through the mondo catalog going through the the hospital brute uh books um it's just it doesn't stop yes like in my brain (laughs) (laughs) um what kind of music do you listen to while you're printing? Oops, a lot of music. Sometimes I listen uh, Esplendor Geometrico, old industrial music, because yep. uh, I, uh, it fits with my machine. So you have to put music who fit with a machine. Nice. <laughs> and sometimes I listen uh, some, uh, I don't know. Um, I went to Colombia four years ago in a small studio, Rap Trap, and, and I saw Los Piranhas, you know Los Piranhas, a band from Colombia. Oh. It's a band like a kind of a surf music, guitar, drum, and bass, but they, okay. but they play uh, the instrumental music, but it's not surf, it's more like a, a cumbia music mixed with surf, and it's really strange, so I listen to this, for example. 
and Addison also. Meridian Brothers, it's the same guys who have another band. It's a mix of Cumbia with residents. So yeah, we have stuff from all around the world. And all the catalog of sublime frequencies. I listen this music also when I print. And every time I listen Japanese noise. <laughs> <laughs> do you if you're printing Japanese work, do you make sure to listen to Japanese noise? <laughs> yes, of course. And I went to Japan and I made music with Japanese uh, artists. Uh, and we show, we also do animation movie. I don't know if you saw the film that we made. I've, I apologize, I haven't. We have, a, we made a three animation film. The two first one were the 90s and show on the French television. And after we make one called Savage Religion. It's a two hours long movie with different artists who came here and make animation. And uh, now we are working on a new one called Mondo oh, wow. And this one, we show it uh, inside the exhibition, and we also show it on stage, and we play on the top, so it will not get out on DVD. Or you have to go to the concert, or you have to go to the exhibition to show the animation. <laughs> I live in Vancouver. We don't get anything exciting, it seems like, so I hope yeah, I but, can find uh, a way. <laughs> last time I was in Canada, it was in uh, Montreal. And uh, it was for a festival in Montreal of books, art books. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I play on the first version of the new movie. So we played 35 minutes on, on with Valium on the film. Voilà. So now we wait to be in. I wait to be uh, invited in some place and I can bring uh, the exhibition with the print, the books. And I always say to the organization, if you want, we can make a concert. Uh, I can play with local musicians who like to make improvisation. It can be jazz, free jazz musician. It can be any kind of musician who want to make improvisation on film. Uh, I know when you you did a show in Seattle where you did a print uh, book with the local folks, um, a book for Floating World, the comic store there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is that something you've done in other spaces where you've kind of done a collaborative, like? Yeah, yeah. yeah sometimes when I go in foreign country, we made a workshop or I work with a local artists. Sometimes I set up a C-screen studio and learn them how to do C-screen and after they do C-screen. It's like that. It's like a virus. It was before Corona. The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I love the uh, the Corona mask you use for your photos. Yeah, this he came from uh, China. It's a present from China. <laughs> from a from an artist there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you, what are some works coming out in the next couple of months? Folks should check out. So now we are every year we organize a festival in Marseille. In the same time, we organize a big exhibition and a festival, a small press festival. It's called Vendetta, and it will be in the middle of November. And at the same time, we made a big exhibition. And this time, the exhibition is sculptures, cut paper sculpture, human size. It's like the Thai L garden. It's like, uh, I don't know if you know this garden in Thailand made by monks, but the- Oh, like uh, Angkor Wat? Yeah, yeah, that's it, this kind of things with people, uh, on hell with blood, it's like a ghost train, uh, but very uh, trash. 
So yeah. this time we are we are at, at this moment we are working for this exhibition, and some artists of the Dernier Cri came here and built a big sculpture. So the exhibition will be like a, a garden like this with monster, and uh, after I will make a catalog with all the photos and and also if you look on the website, all the new poster is wrote Narok. Narok is means L in Thai language, so. I also do um, a lot of the screen for this exhibition. And during the exhibition, I will put out a catalog of the exhibition, which will be a, a kind of compilation of all the stuff that we did for this show. Perfect, exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, thank you, Piquito, uh, for chatting with me today. Reminder, uh, Piquito is the, the man behind La Denia Cree, uh, one of the foremost avant-garde publishers, comics adjacent, um out there uh i'm a big fan and i think you should check it out too um yeah thank you so much yes and uh, all the young artists who make weird ruins can send some to the there we go <laughs>